Let's pray together. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Heavenly Father, as this prodigal son, as he approached you and ran back to you, I pray for the same type of humility and the mindset for us to approach your kingdom and your throne here in this place. Lord, we need you more today than yesterday. We are in desperate need of your touch here in this place. Heavenly Father, have mercy upon us as we live day by day by your costly grace. Lord, we never take advantage or take lightly of your grace, your priceless grace that you have given us. God, every day is a day of thanksgiving, but we just want to take a moment right now to set aside this special day, special Thanksgiving Sunday to give you thanks with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength for all that we have and all that we don't have. Whether you give, whether you take, Lord, blessed be your name. I pray, Lord, as we transition now to the message, I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who will be listening here in this place, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer. We give you all the glory, all the honor. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray, and God's people pray, amen and amen. Let's take a moment to say happy Thanksgiving to our neighbors at this very moment. God bless you all. It's good to be here in the church, in the house of God. Let us go ahead and start with our message. So today is Thanksgiving Sunday, and the title of today's message is called, My Great Debt Paid by Your Great Love. My Great Debt Paid by Your Great Love. I want to start off with this question. How great are your debts? How indebted are you to the Lord? For greater the debt, greater is his love for me. Let our prayers be this morning that, Lord, the debt of my sins were too great, but your love was, is, and will always be greater than the debt of my sins. Again, greater the debt, greater is his love for me me. My great debt paid by your great love. Let's start with our main passage here today, found in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. And the title says, Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. Keep in mind, she does not have a name, but she is known as a woman, sinful woman. Verse 36, it says this, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind them at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. 
Verse 39, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you, which is Peter. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Verse 48, then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen. Let us put this passage into perspective as we are entering in the season of Thanksgiving. Let us understand the context of this beautiful story. Starting with point number one is, number one, she was a sinner. She was a sinner. If you look at verse 37, it says, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And the key phrase here is sinful life. So we understand from this passage alone, starting with subpoint letter A, a courageous sinner. She was a sinner, but she was a courageous sinner. I know it's redundant and silly adding an adjective to the word sinner because there's nothing more or less you can add to the word sinner because if you're a sinner, it's just bad. But it took great courage for this woman, for this person with no name, to come to this dignified, quote-unquote, dignified Pharisee's house. Keep in mind, this Pharisee was not there to love on Jesus. He was actually there maybe to test Jesus. It was a trap to entrap Jesus to show others that he is a false teacher. But during this meeting of these, quote-unquote, dignified leaders, these Pharisees, these men, again, it's all men, It took great courage for her to come to this house full of men, Pharisees, teachers of the law, to enter this house bringing what? An alabaster jar of perfume. It cost their life savings. Bring an alabaster jar of perfume, not only bringing it but weeping, wetting his feet with her tears, 
wiping his feet with her hair, kissing his feet, and pouring perfume on them. This is a woman residing in the Middle East. Even right now, it's a very conservative, dangerous place for a woman to speak up. But back then, it was even worse. In a small town, in the midst of highly dignified, conservative, religious men. She's the only woman here in this passage. She is known, she doesn't even have a name. She's known as a sinful woman, which means that she most likely would have been a prostitute. Most likely. She is surrounded, she has bad reputation. She is surrounded by religious men degrading her, not honoring her, but judging her and looking down on her. You ever enter a room where you felt this way? Would you enter? No, you would leave that party. Imagine being a woman in this context, broken woman, a broken woman. How great her courage was for her to enter this Pharisee's house for her to do these acts. Recently, I saw an interview of the Turpin family, the siblings. I don't know if you guys know the story. I believe she's 21, 22 now. I think at the age of 21, she gave an interview, finally came out with her sister. And this story is just a crazy story. Her parents, David and Louise Turpin, they resided in, I think it's Petty, Petty, California, or one of those areas, but it was in California, the West Coast. And they lived like caged, like animals. They didn't bathe. The mom would not bathe the children for about a year. The house was filthy. It was garbage. And they see a camera of this woman. Encourage you to go ahead and watch that. She goes and she runs away from the house. She calls the cops. I think it's like the first time she's ever used her phone. And you can tell that she's not developed in her mind. She's 17 at that time. They're all skinny, malnourished. They don't have the energy. And she's calling this 911 operator, telling them, listen, my mom, she chained two of my sisters. My sisters are crying. They asked me to go ahead and call the cops, and I don't know where I am. They're asking for the address. And she gives, she's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, uh, okay, I think this is it. And she gives a zip code, five number. And she, she says it very slowly. And the, and the lady, the operator, she's like, no, no, no. That's just the zip code, I think has to have three number and says oh I see a stop sign wait there and the deputy the police eventually arrives and they go into this house they see the filth and they see just the way that these kids lived 13 children total and the parents they got sentenced for life to jail it took great courage for this young girl Jordan Turpin to go ahead to go out and to risk her life because literally her parents would have killed her on the spot you could hear the fear in her voice. What great courage for this prostitute, this woman with no name, a sinful woman, a sinner, to be in the midst of dignified, quote-unquote dignified, religious, conservative men. So again, she was a courageous sinner. Let her be a broken Sinner. Psalm 51, David says in verse 17 specifically that the sacrifices of God are a what? A broken spirit. 
and a broken and a contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. When we are a broken sinner, when we are broken before God, when we carry a contrite heart, a broken heart, he will not reject us. And the truth is, you are a sinner also. All of us, I am also a sinner as this woman is a sinner. Because the scripture reminds us and tells us over and over again. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, specifically says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 37 to 39, specifically going back to Luke chapter 7, let's read. It says in verse 37, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair kissed them and poured perfume on them. Why? Why would she do these kind of acts? Why? Especially back then when the feet was the most dirty part of your body. Because you had to walk everywhere. They didn't have proper shoes. The roads weren't paved, full of dirt, wet. Verse 39, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, Meaning, if this man was a dignified teacher, if he was really the real son of God or a true teacher of God, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him. That shows us they all knew what type of woman she was, that she was a prostitute, a sinner, filthy, not worthy to touch the feet of Jesus Christ. I mean, your feet are the dirtiest part of your body. She wasn't even worthy to even touch the dirtiest part of your body. So you could just imagine she's entering. Everyone's like, oh, stay away. They draw a circle around her as she's moving. Wherever she goes, they don't go near her. That she is a sinner, whispering. And they're not even being quiet about it. She could hear their voices. Do you not know who is touching you? Do you not know what kind of woman she is? Do you know what kind of reputation that she has? And the reality is, going back to Psalm 51 and going back to the soul point of broken sinner, is that if you are broken today, and if you've ever been in a place where you've been broken, you're blessed by God. God bless you. You are blessed, and there is hope for you. So the question is, how deep were her sins? It was much. How deep are your sins? Too much. How deep are our depths? It's too much. And the answer is as deep as the oceans and as high as the skies, as the stars in the universe. It's unlimited. It's a depth that cannot be paid by my good works or by my good deeds. And it says, it's very clear, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, and we can't overcome death. No matter how rich you are as Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, 
no matter how hard we try to turn the time back to our younger years, we all will face death, and death we have no power over except for Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the key, the answer here is in Christ Jesus. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, in Christ in Jesus, in him alone. Amen. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15 says, Anyone whose, names, whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Without Christ, our names are not written in the book of life, and our lives, we are thrown into the lake of fire to hell. But there is great news. There is great news. And are you ready for this great news that we all know? If you know, God bless you, you're blessed. Some of you, you know it here, but you don't know it here. Because of the way that we live each and every single day, we don't have eternal gratitude towards the Father because we live complaining, questioning God every single day. Is your eternity really found in Christ and in Christ alone? Anyone whose name was not found in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Stop living your lives as pagans, as those who are anti-God state of mind, who stay away from God and who run away from God. Continue to live a life of the prodigal son and daughter. Continue to live in our filth in our place. Have the courage to get out and to enter the house of God with thanksgiving and with humility and with brokenness. Have the courage for you have grown too accustomed to the filth that you're living in. You do not not even realize. You do not realize that you are lost forever, doomed for all of eternity. You have no hope because you're hoping in yourself. The only way that you can hope and have life for the future is only if you hope in Christ and in Christ alone. Meaning you need to have courage with your brokenness and with your humility. Step out and take that risk of giving Jesus Christ your everything. As I mentioned about the story of Jordan Turpin. There's great news. And here's the great news. And are you ready for this great news? Let's look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. If you look at these kids, I mean, they're literally dressed and filled, wearing the same clothes every single day, 
not bathing for a year. I mean, you guys complain two weeks, not really showering in the mission field. I mean, yes, some of you guys are lucky in the Philippines. We get to do it every single day. But there are mission trips I've been to where I could only do one time, shower. I remember in, where was it, in Guatemala. I went there with my father. We didn't get to shower at all once, except for when we went to a sauna, a mogotang. We went there and we washed together, and the team, they all went with their own respective people. But imagine just being so accustomed to the filth of living that life. You don't even realize what's out there. You don't realize that there is hope in Christ. Do not be accustomed to your way of sin and being lost, but be dressed in white. Christ will dress us in white. It's a symbol of purity and of his holiness. And it says, I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life. I will never. And will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. Let's go to point number two. She was indebted. She was indebted. In other words, when I say indebted, she was grateful to God. She was indebted to God. She was thankful to God. She gave all that she could. She gave all that she had to give God the best that she can offer in that very moment in her life. Meaning in this very moment, she gave her wealth, she gave her time, she gave her tears, she gave her reputation, she gave her the reputation of her being humiliated, of her being judged, her everything. And many young men and women who are sitting here or who are listening, who are listening in the future, will say, well, God, I will give to you in the future when I have enough to give. God, I will give to you in the future when I become more blessed. God, I will live for you in the future when I finish school, etc., etc., etc. However, the greatest blessing that you can give to God right now is to give God your all that you have right now. Whether we have plenty or little, whether we have much or little, it doesn't matter. As long as you give from the heart and you give with all that you have, with the little that you have, with the much that you have, whatever you have, little or a lot, you give it to the Lord. If you remember the story of the widow's offering, it's found in Mark chapter 12 and also in Luke chapter 21. But I'm going to focus on Mark chapter 12 version. In Mark chapter 12, the title says, The Widow's Offering. And it says, verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. And watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor, complete opposite, contrast to the rich, a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worthy only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Verse 44, they all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had. 
to live on. This poor widow gave two very small copper coins. And this poor widow, Jesus says, put in more than all the other rich individuals. So it's not about the amount. It's about your willingness to give to God. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. What's the difference between here, Mark chapter 12, Luke chapter 21, and Luke chapter 7? The heart is the same. Their desperation is the same. Their willingness to give is the same. There's a quote by Charles Spurgeon, and he says this, you say, and let's have the quote up there, but I'm just going to read a little bit of before, but you say, if I had a little more, I should be very satisfied. You are mistaken. You make a mistake. And the quote starts here. It says, if you are not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it were double. So the question, how indebted are you to the Lord? How much? How much? And the answer is always the same. Lord, it's too much. As deep as the oceans, as high as the mountains, as high as the skies. Look at verse 40 to 47. As we end this point, Verse 40 says, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly. Jesus said, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I enter has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Verse 47, let's all read together. Ready? One, two, three. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. You love God little right now. That means in your own head you think that you've been forgiven little. Your love to God shows how great you think your debts are. You think you only owe about a dollar or two. Oh, you have no idea how much you owe. The debt of sin is something that you cannot pay back in your own strength. This chasm of depth is too great, too deep. No one else can pay that debt for you. No one. Not your parents, not your pastor, not anyone else except for Jesus Christ. And I love how Jesus, he validates and affirms this woman but the one who had the bigger debt 
who had their debts forgiven, they will love the person who canceled the debt of that individual. So again, point number one, she was a sinner, a courageous sinner, a broken sinner. Number two, she was indebted, meaning she was forever grateful to God because it was something that she could not pay. Just like the widow, Mark 12, just a story that we just read, Luke chapter 21. There's a complete parallel there to Luke chapter 7 with the story of the woman who gave her all, her alabaster jar, a prostitute, a sinner, a sinful woman, and a widow, a widow's offering. Their heart was the same. They were forever indebted to the Lord. And last point here, point number three, is she was forgiven. Amen. Forgiven. Verse 48, then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. 49 to 50 says, the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, he ignores them, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus has a tunnel vision for the sinner. Just like as he goes and leaves the 99 for one, he doesn't care about what these proud individuals, prideful individuals think. He ignores these individuals. And he says, your sins are forgiven. That phrase alone, who is this who even forgives sins, shows that they were not there to support Jesus. They were there to ridicule him and to bring him down. Who is this? who even forgives sins. Ignore those who hate on you. Focus on Christ. First, Christ sees you. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Can we turn to our neighbor and a cool way say peace? Sing it to yourself because you're so cool. Yes, peace. So with this point alone, she was forgiven heart, just a reminder for all of us, right, that Jesus has the power to forgive our sins, right, that phrase alone, verse 48, Luke chapter 7, 48, it's just a short phrase, but such a powerful phrase, which ties in with all the scriptures that I mentioned earlier, in Revelation chapter 3, or Romans chapter 6, where we talked about that if our names are not in the book of life, we will go and forever doomed for eternity in hell away from God. That phrase alone, your sins are forgiven. It shows the power of Jesus, that Jesus has the power to forgive sins. Jesus has the power to cancel your debts. Jesus has the power to give us joy because when we have peace, we have joy. He has the power to give us joy. He has the power to give us peace. And in Philippians chapter 4, as Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes, as he's in prison, as he writes this. And for all those who are listening, who are undergoing trials and persecution and hard times, remember the context of how Paul wrote this letter. He says in Philippians 4, we've done a Philippians series, and it says, Rejoice in the Lord always as he's changed. I will say again, rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, Happy Thanksgiving? Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does it mean, which transcends all understanding? It's beyond your understanding. It's a peace of God that comes from the Holy Spirit and from God alone. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Are you thankful? Then your mind and your heart should be at peace. Because you live for one thing alone, is to have a relationship with Christ. And if we have a relationship with Christ, whether we're in prison, whether we're in a place of blessing, whether in a place of trials and hardship, whether everything is going our way or not our way, we rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Why? Because you're forgiven. Because you're forgiven. She was forgiven. Going back to the question, how much have you been forgiven? Have you been forgiven much? Then your answer should be, your response should be, and our answer should be, and what I'm going to remind you and I'm going to remind myself is then I must love him the most. I must serve him the most. I must give to him the best that I can offer. Every single Sunday I come. Every single day I live for him. Live your lives for Christ. Because in him there is life. The bigger your sins, the more you must run to him, not away from him. Run to him. Just like the prodigal son. And all the stories here, they all connect together. Luke chapter 7, Mark chapter 12, with the story of the widow's offering. And here now with the story of Luke 15. And the prayer that I said in the intro of the prodigal son. And whenever I read this now, I remind myself and I think about that time at the basketball court in the Philippines where I shared this message and we had bystanders on the side, and they were not even part of the ministry. And they came to the front to receive prayer and to accept Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. I think about that. And right here, what this prodigal son, what the second son does, he's my favorite character out of the two, out of the two brothers. The older brother, yes, he may look like he did everything right. But in the end, he was jealous. He was too proud. He compared himself, and he was not happy for the lost son that came back, for the lost brother that came home. He made it about himself. It was about him. It was not about anything else. It says in verse 13, Set off for a distant country, and there squander his wealth and wild living. Remember, he took all of his inheritance, the disrespect of asking the father for the money while he's still alive. 
set off for a distant country, and there squander his wealth and wild living. Verse 14. After he has spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. We understand the context is that he's not among his Jewish people because this region is a Gentile region. We know it by hint, pigs. He was out of his comfort zone in a place of unfamiliarity. Scared, starving, verse 17 says, when he came to his senses, that's the key. Come to your senses. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death, reminiscing back to his father or the father's love. He says, I will set out, verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your higher servants. So he got up and went to his father. Before I continue on, here's the truth, two truths that I want to share. And it's not a sub-point or anything, but just a reminder. The first truth is no matter how big your sins are or that you've committed, you will be forgiven only if you take action. What is that action? You come to your senses and you run to Jesus. Here's the other truth. The other truth is the flip side of that coin. Sometimes you're scared to ask because you're afraid that you're going to be rejected. Will you have dinner? Nope. Embarrassment, and then you don't want to try. We're scared of the answer that Jesus, he will reject us. We run to him. What if he doesn't forgive me? What if my debts are too great? It's too big. I'm... my. My sins, the debt that I owe, the debt of my sins are too great. What if he rejects me? But the truth is, if you run to Jesus, you will be forgiven. The second side of that truth is this. You will not be left hopeless and rejected. He will come and accept you. Receive whatever you can offer. The prodigal son, he squandered all of his wealth. He had nothing. He didn't even have shoes, maybe not even clothing. Maybe I can go back as a higher servant, not back as a son, as a child of God. You will not be left hopeless and rejected. And I'm closing with this. We'll continue reading. Verse 20, I began and I said, so he got up and went to his father. If 
Fast forward a little bit in that verse. But while he was still a long way off, stones throw away a distance. The Father we see from the Jesus skit that Jesus is waiting for us. His Father saw him before the Son even saw the Father. His Father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, not anger. He ran. The Father runs to the Son, not the Son running to the Father. Son has his head down. How can I? I'll go back as a higher servant. They even they have food to spare, and here I am, lost, full of sins, full of debt. How can I ever pay back the sin that I owe? But while he was still a long way off, his father said to him. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, "Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son." That's his prayer of repentance. But the father said to his servants, "Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals." On his feet. Bring the fan calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine, this daughter of mine, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. What is the connection here from Luke chapter seven? Mark chapter twelve or the widow's offering, and right here in Luke chapter fifteen of the prodigal son. All about giving, all about giving their all, all about putting their trust in the Lord, giving Him everything, and we see the response of the Father is that He affirms them and He what? He protects them. We are so scared of turning to the Lord because we think God. My sins are too great. How can He ever forgive me of my sins? But here are three keys for us to turn back. Going off of these passages that we just read today. Letter A: Come to your senses. Come to your senses. Wake up and know and realize that you've been living in filth. You're too accustomed in your sins. Wake up. You sinner, come to your senses. Wake up now, before we sleep forever, doomed for all of eternity away from God. Come to your senses. Let it be. Get up. Get up, and go. Get up and go. Take action. Now let us see. Knee down and repent. Repent, you sinner. Repent. If you get up, run and repent. If you get up now, run and repent. There will be acceptance, love, and forgiveness.
That's the good news. That's the greatest news that we will hear as Christians. And here's a secret and the answer to this little life that we live. There is always forgiveness and salvation. In who? In my works, in myself, in my church, in my leader, in my parents. There's forgiveness and salvation. One way, only one way. There's only one way, as it says in John 14, 6. In Christ. In Christ and only Jesus. Only in Him alone. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through who? Through me, Jesus says in John chapter 14. He is the only way. No one can come to God. Approach the holiness of God except through Christ. Did the analogy this Thursday again in Bible study where we did the selfie thing and Angela didn't understand, so I had to actually have her do it. She had it in a selfie mode. Found a Google image of Jesus, some random picture. Put it right in front of her. When God sees us through the eyes of the lens of the camera, from his eyes, Does he see you or does he see Christ who died on our behalf? The one who loved me and gave himself for me. The Bible is very clear as it says in Acts chapter 16. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Believe in him. That's it. There is no other way. Only in Christ. Only in Jesus Because you know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him and who is him is Christ. In him alone you will be saved. You will not perish, but you shall have eternal life. As it says in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 20 says, your name will be taken out from the book of life. And you'll be thrown in eternity in hell away from God. For Revelation chapter 3 reminds us that our names is your na- name. As it says to the church of Sardis, one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. It says, your name will be marked. It will not, I will not blot out your name from the book of life. Is your name in the book of life. If you trust in yourself. Your name is not in the book of life. So check yourself before you wreck yourself. Check your heart. I don't care if you went on missions last two, three years ago. Where are you now? Is your eternity found in Christ? And I'm ending with this, Romans chapter 10. Verse 9 through 10. It's not on the screen. But if you could just bow your heads with me at this time. Let's hear the words of God found here in Romans chapter 10. Verse 9 through 10. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth, your mouth meaning your action, that you profess, you live out your faith 
and are saved. So again, come to your senses. Get up and go. Knee down and repent. Just like this woman found here in Luke chapter 7. She was a sinner, a courageous sinner, a broken sinner, like you and me. I am that individual. She was indebted and she was forgiven. Therefore, right now, when we have the opportunity, come to your senses, get up and go, knee down and repent as his prodigal son, as his prodigal daughter. If you get up, run, and repent now, you will be accepted. You will find acceptance, love, and forgiveness. That is the promise given to each and every single believer who are here in this place. Declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Can we all declare with our lips this very moment and say, Jesus, you are my God, you are my King, you are my Lord. And as we say it, let us believe with all that we have in our hearts. Let us believe that God raised him from the dead and know that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose again as Muslims do not believe in that. They serve a different kind of Jesus. They believe in a different kind of Jesus. Mormons, they believe in a different kind of Jesus. Jehovah Witnesses, they believe in a different kind of Jesus. Mormons, they believe in a Jesus that the Heavenly Father had a relationship with the Mother Mary and therefore produced Jesus as a child, as an earthly child. That is a different kind of Jesus. Believe in your heart who Jesus Christ is, that He is God that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But if you believe, if you believe with your heart, you are justified. And with your mouth, your actions, may your life be a blessing to the Heavenly Father. May we live and serve him and him alone. Then we will be saved in Christ, through Christ, and through Christ and Him, in Him, and only Jesus, in Him alone. Amen. Declare with your heart, with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can we take a moment right now to turn back to the Father as the prodigal son ran back to the Father in Luke? chapter 15. Let us run to him right now. Let us turn to him with thanksgiving for all the sins, the sin of death, the depth of sin that we owe, that we will never pay back. Let's take a moment right now to thank the Lord. Just like the woman, the sinner, the sinful woman, as she came and knelt down at the feet of Jesus, may we wash his feet with our tears with our hair and kiss his feet and give him our everything give him our all as the widow gave out of her poverty her everything in mark chapter 12 
Let us pray together. my senses and to run back to you God even though my expectation may be God I'll be like one of the higher servants losing all my privilege losing my blessings but Lord you wait for me you are waiting for us from the distance you are watching us for our return for God help us to have soft hearts not hardened hearts, oh God. Not stubborn hearts, oh God. For we are lost in our sins and in our pride. But break us, Lord, in humility. And turn to you, Lord, and run to you. Right now, at this very moment. Holy Spirit, have your way within us. Teach us your ways to walk in the truth of God. Not in the way that the world lives, but live according to your principles and to your kingdom and for your purpose. It's for your glory and for your glory alone. This life is not my own, it is yours, oh God. It belongs to you, it always belonged to you, and it will always belong to you. May I live this little life that I have, this one life that I have. May I live with humility and know my great debt, the great debt paid by your great love. My unconditional debt has been paid by your unconditional love, O oh God, on the cross. I cannot save myself. My debts are too great. It is your love that sets me free. It is the love of God that sets me free. It is Christ that sets me free. What you did on the cross for me, as you shed, God, your blood, that washes away all of my sins. Because of the cross, because of your love for me, I am able to come to you in humility and run to you. The Spirit and the truth. Thank you for affirming me, O oh God. Thank you for protecting me, O oh Lord. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us a purpose. God, before God, I was an orphan, lost in this world with no protection, no one to save us, no one to rescue me, O oh Lord. Living in my filth, not knowing, God, that there's a greater purpose and a plan that you have in store for my life. God, I remember back when I was 16, Lord, and I remember your goodness, Lord. 
how you came to my rescue and you brought me in into your family and loving me and having mercy on me and having grace upon my life oh God the cause of the cross your death and your resurrection the blood that was shed for me oh Lord help us to be thankful truly thankful not just with our words but for the life that we are living right now for the journey for all the years God that I have lived from then on from then on forward God I thank you Lord for having mercy upon me for loving me my sins were too great my sins were too great but it is a cross and the love of God that loved me gave himself for me that through Christ there is life to you alone we are forgiven so God no matter how difficult it may be no matter how dark the present or the future may seem God I look to you with tunnel vision just as you saw me just as you saw the sinful woman Ignoring all those who hated on her, who was judging her. Lord, I look to you, and only you, only Christ. And I look to you, and I hope in you. No matter how hard it may be, I look to you, and I hold on to you. For my present, my past, and my future. God, you hold it in your hands. No matter what happens, whether you give, whether you take, Lord, may the name of the Lord be praised. I praise you today, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That even when I was, before I was even born, in my mother's womb, you knew me, and you had a purpose. a plan for me Jesus we need you therefore I tell you her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown but whoever has been forgiven little loves little but we claim today God and I declare with my heart And with my mouth, God, that I have been forgiven much, so much, the depth of sin, deep as the oceans, and as high and higher than the skies, that I cannot pay back. Lord, I have been forgiven much, therefore I will love you much. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. For you have the power and the authority to forgive my sins, to forgive our sins. Thank you, Lord, that you have the power, that you hold the scepter in your hands to make a way so that I can have life and life to the full right now. Your blood washes away all my sins. Even when the other guests will say, who is this? Who is this person? Who is this woman? 
Who is this individual who has the power to forgive sins? May we not pay attention to these individuals, but look to you as you saw me and trust and hold on to your dear words. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So God, in this season of Thanksgiving, no matter how difficult things may be, no matter how hard things may be, we are thankful and with thanksgiving there's shalom. There's a peace of God that transcends all understanding as it says in Philippians 4. The peace of God that transcends all understanding. Rejoice always. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice. Pray continually. For that is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. So God, we turn back to you with humility. We need you right now, more today than yesterday. Thank you for your great love. We need you. Before we close in prayer, I want to invite the praise team to, if you could please come up on the stage here with us, with me. We haven't sang this song in a while, and as I share, for me personally, this is, I think, my favorite song and a song that I would love for when life ends, for this song to be a song to play. Because in the end, it is only Christ that matters. Nothing else matters. Lord, may my life be an offering for your kingdom and for your purpose, not for anything else of this world. And may you declare that truth, the truth of God, that it is only Christ that can save us and rescue us. And can we just sing as a prayer and offering to the Lord, God's amazing grace is the only thing I need. Can we all stand to our feet and sing together? God's amazing grace is the
Heavenly Father, from the first moment we open up our eyes in this world and we take the first breath here, and for every breath that we take in between until we take our final breath in this life, from the beginning and to the end, Lord, may we live our lives for you and for you alone. I know that it will not look perfect because we are sinful beings, but Lord, every day remind ourselves to turn back to the living God. And as a prodigal son and as a prodigal daughter, we run back to you in this very moment. We choose today to give all of ourselves to you and to give ourselves to you. Lord, we pray for strength. We pray for encouragement for those who are lost and discouraged here today. May we not get lost in our own thinking or in our own thoughts or from the lies and the whispers of Satan. But may we look to the one who loves us and to the one who sees us and to the one who hears us and to the one who knows us and to the one who loves us unconditionally. Lord, we turn to you with humility and with thanksgiving. When we take our final breath, Lord, we will leave everything unto you, God. For you've been our provider from the beginning. You are our provider even right now. And you'll provide even in the end. For we will have eternity and home with you in heaven with Christ. Who loves us. And who has a purpose and a plan for us. So God, I pray in this season of Thanksgiving. I pray for peace and for comfort for all your children here in this place and for all the suffering Christians all around the world who are undergoing trials and sufferings in the Middle East to Asia to Europe to here in the West Lord I pray for your strength for your courage and your boldness and for your brokenness and your humility as this woman did in Luke chapter 7 may we have boldness and brokenness before your throne today knowing that we are a sinner saved by one thing alone by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ we give you all the honor all the glory pray all these things in your precious son Jesus Christ let me pray and God's people pray amen and amen